preach on Jesus the man. Jesus the man. Now, um, as we get into this, you'll see my emphasis will be the human side of him. I want to start, though, with a verse in 1 Timothy. Uh, I don't know if he's putting up scriptures. If he wants to, he can. But um, this is, an, I have my own outline. A lot of times when I come teach my seminars, I give you an outline. But just get your Bibles out tonight and let's just look up these verses, make some noise in the house. Let me hear some rustling of the pages and, and uh, we'll share some good message here about our Savior. And, um, you know, many times we see Jesus as distant. And he is, as far as geographically, <laughs> heaven, like they say down in the mountains, brother, is a fur piece, you know. Uh, and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father in a resurrected body. Come on, amen. And, and he's in heaven tonight. So in that sense, he is a distance away. But, but sometimes in our Christian walk, and I see it all the time, you can tell by how people talk. You can tell by the kind of requests they put in, the kind of prayer requests they give. You know, oh, Lord, I just wish the Lord would help me. I just wish, just wish the Lord was involved. I just wish the Lord knew what. I just wish the Lord. I just wish the Lord. I just wish the Lord, you know. And, and he's, it's like he's way out there in outer space heading the other direction. And if I could just get his attention, I'll tell you what, let's bunch of us gang up on him. And we kind of think, you know, a whole lot of us praying will get him to do something. See, the Lord doesn't answer prayer because a bunch of us gang up on him. The Apostle John said, we know we have the petitions we desired of him if we ask anything according to his will. Well, one person can do that. It don't take a truckload to get Jesus to answer prayer. You just pray according to his will, okay? Honestly, I've heard people say, get a bunch of people praying, and listen, while you're praying, pray hard. Oh, so the, now it's up to the volume of my prayer. I can't say, Father, in Jesus' name. I have to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, if I really scream at him, get a bunch of us to holler at him at once, he might do something. No, no see, that's not how he operates, he answers according to his will. And what is his will? You've heard me say it many times. His word is his will. Come on, amen. He, it's even called the will and testament of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, this is so good. Jesus is the only man that left a will after he died and was raised from the dead to make sure it was carried out. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Think about that. He's the only one who was ever raised from the dead to make sure it was carried out. Now, because I'm going to be talking about the human side of Christ, I wanted to start with this because I want to make it very clear that uh, our group that I'm a credential with, Open Bible Churches, and this church, OBC, and your pastor and I, we all believe that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Come on, amen. That's where the cults mess up. That's where they get off track when they just make him a good teacher. They just make him maybe a prophet or a pretty good feller, but they do away with his divinity. He was God and man at the same time. There's a verse here where the Apostle Paul 
kind of sums up Jesus in one verse, and they tell me, now I've read some commentators, and they tell me that this was actually a song the early church sang. This verse 16 was actually a hymn that they sang. And it said it all. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Listen, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. (laughs) That's the whole story of Jesus right there in a nutshell. Hallelujah. But the, the, the thing I want to point out is that he was God Manifest in the flesh. You get those Christmas cards at Christmas time. Most, uh, half of them have this verse on it. St. John 1, remember, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Then you go to verse 14 said, and the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Amen. That was the second person of the Godhead. Hallelujah. And, and, and we, we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So he was uh, the... Uh, the, the, the Son of God, he, he was divine, and uh, he was there when, when in, in the Garden of Eden. He was there when God said, let us make man in our image. Who is the us and the our? The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But he took upon himself human form, and that's what we're going to talk mainly about tonight and what it means to you what it means to you and what it means to me. Now let's go to right there in 1 Timothy. Go over to chapter 2, verse 5. And uh, I'm going to emphasize certain things as we read some of these verses. And, and as we emphasize them, if, if you're an underliner, I hope you are. I hope you mark up your Bible. See, there's nothing holy about that ink and that paper. It's just what it says that's holy. But the Lord does not care if you mark up your Bible. He, he loves it when you do that because you've been reading it that way. Come on, amen. Don't be idolizing ink and paper or leather. That's stupid, okay? The Word of God is what He wants to get in you. And if it takes green and yellow and orange and blue and black to get her done, get her done. Okay, amen. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, plural, the man, singular, Christ Jesus. Now, people, we're not preaching on that, but we could give you several more verses. St. John 14, 6, Acts 4, 12. Okay, that Jesus is the only way to God. That's what will cause you more trouble in this world, in this politically correct world we live in. See, we don't tell people the truth because we're mean. We don't tell people the truth because we're just trying to pick a fight. We tell them the truth because we love them. But sometimes the truth makes people mad. The problem with you Christians, you just think Jesus is the only way. Well, I'm glad you finally got the message. Matter of fact, we do believe that. There's one God and one mediator or one go-between between God and men or the human race, and that is... The man, Christ Jesus. Did you notice there he's called the man, Christ Jesus? Now let me share something else with you here. The the great Oral Roberts, a wonderful Pentecostal healing evangelist, passed away a few years ago, way up in his 90s. 
he, he had a sermon, his classic sermon. I guess most preachers like to think they, they all have a classic sermon. We all have a sermon, kind of our classic sermon, you know. And, uh, but Oral had one called The Fourth Man. And he would go from Genesis. You ought to pull it up sometime. on. It's probably on YouTube now. Uh, you can probably pull it up. It'll make the hair on the back of your head stick out. He would start talking about the, the, the Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace. And, and then, you know, I see four in there, you know. And uh, his whole sermon was uh, about Jesus will be with you in the fiery furnace, amen. And, you know, he, he started Genesis. He's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. Come on, you know, the list goes. And in Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. And he goes through the whole Old Testament you know, and then I, I, I can I can do the New Testament, the whole New Testament. I used to have the whole thing memorized. I ain't preached it in a while. But in Matthew, he's a Messiah. In Mark, he's a Wonder Worker. In Luke, he's a Son of Man. In John, he's the Son of God. In Acts, he's a Baptizer in the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's the Justifier. First, Second Corinthians, he's the Sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the Redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he's the God who meets all your need according to his riches in glory. Come on. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First, Second Timothy, he's the faithful pastor. In the book of Titus, he's the faithful pastor. The Bible says in in Philemon that, that, that he is the friend of the oppressed. First, Second Thessalonians, he's the Lord coming in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. The book of uh, Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the Lord that raises the sick. In First Peter, he's the chief shepherd who soon shall appear. In 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he's love. In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000s of his saints. And you know what's coming next. And in Revelation, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Just so the people listening to this will know you're here. Come on, come on. I, I mean, that, that's just the New Testament. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. If that don't get you going. But I thought it was interesting that Brother Oral... When he's talking about the gospel. Now there's more in all those, all those books than what I said. That's just the highlight. That may be the main thing. But um, he said in Matthew, he's a Messiah. Well, it was a Jewish gospel. It was, it was written for the Jewish people. So in the gospel of Matthew, God really emphasizes the fact that Jesus was the Messiah they were waiting on. Come on, amen. In Mark, he's just doing miracles to the whole, to the whole book. He's the wonder worker. But then I like he came up and said in Luke... He's the son of man. In John, he's the son of God. Now, when you're reading the gospel, sometimes you'll see Jesus called the son of God. In other places, you'll hear him called the son of man. Now, the reason I called my son Luke, because I like the name for one thing. It's kind of manly. Luke, you know what I mean? Cool hand, Luke. Everybody loves my Luke too, you know what I mean? But, but uh, I, I love the gospel of Luke because, and we're going to get over there just a little bit. But the gospel of Luke portrays Jesus as the son of man. You see his human side. Now, just this, this ain't in the notes. We'll get into these scriptures here in a minute. But let me just share this with you. Okay, he hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says afterward he was hungry. Well, does um, who, who, what part of him would get hungry? Not the God side, because God doesn't get hungry. That was the man's side that got hungry. 
How about when he comes up to the woman at the well in St. John 4 and asks for a drink of water? Well, God doesn't ever get thirsty. What side of him got thirsty? The man's side, the human side. He sat down in the heat of the day. He must have been tired too. How about when he was crossing the lake? It said he went up in the boat and laid down and went to sleep. He said, let us go to the other side of the lake. And he went back and went snoozing. Wonder why he was tired. It don't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. <laughs> wonder, I wonder why he took a nap, Brother Bowman. <laughs> the Lord revealed it to me. It's because he's tired. <laughs> that's, that's pretty deep, ain't it? Right there, you know. Amen. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this thing out. I mean, that was, God doesn't ever get tired. God didn't ever take naps. The Bible said in the Old Testament, he never sleeps or slumbers, you know. So it's, it can't be the God side. But at the same time, he was God. But he, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but he emptied himself of those privileges of divinity to become like us. He didn't have halos. That's just some artist, maybe some goofy artist. The guy will be in heaven. He'll say, I heard you call me goofy. Go ask Jesus. He'll tell you the same thing. He's goofy. Okay, he didn't have the halo. All this stuff about Jesus having halos when he walked around on, on this planet. He, no, he looked like one of the guys. You look at him, you couldn't tell a bit different. Okay, but there was a treasure inside. Come on, somebody. I said, praise the Lord. I just sounded like Brother Grimes. Right? Come on, somebody. That's what he likes to say. Amen. Now, so we got one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Don't make me holler, don't make me shout. Turn them Bibles inside out. Hebrews chapter 10. And listen to this. And every priest... Look at verse 11. That's my phone, sorry. Chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Actually, uh, we'll, we'll maybe go on down to 14 too, but for sure, verses 11 and 12. L- look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Those Old Testament priests, leading right up to the time of Jesus even, that offered those animal sacrifices, could never, everybody say never, never take away sins. Okay? But look at the first three words of verse 12. (laughs) But this man, oh my Lord, that makes me want to take a running spell, but I got to preach. Now listen. Listen to that. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And verse, go ahead and put up the next two verses if you don't care there, Richard. From henceforth expect until his enemies be made his footstool. What's Jesus been doing for 2,000 years? He's been waiting on his enemies to be made his footstool. Onward, Christian soldiers. Come on, baby. And then look at verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Brother Richard, let me ask you something. Do you have the message Bible in there? You do not. Okay. Does anybody here happen to have one? Do you have the message Bible? 
Uh, can you pull up that verse there, Vicki, uh, in, in the Message Bible? And um, I, I just, once in a while, I just love to uh, look these verses up in, in the Message. Um, uh, I think this guy did a great thing when he put this thing together back in 92. Oh, it's, it's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, it really takes our everyday speak. Just start with verse 11 there, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it once you get it. Put up, is, is that the six or the six and a half? Is it one of them other kind? What is that? Oh, 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 okay. That's probably the kind my, my son-in-law has. Verse 11. verse 11, 12, 13, 14. You've got to hear this in the Message Bible. Is it ready? Okay. Listen to this, guys. This is really good. Every priest goes to work. That's cool. They got the King James up there. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day, offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. (laughs) Cool. That was it. Done. Then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. I'd make a mummy shout. Now, now listen, it gets better. Listen to this. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Oh, come on. Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, listen to that. Woo, listen to that again. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Isn't that great? I qualified, didn't you? Yeah, I was imperfect. You were all imperfect, but we had a perfect man. But this man, look what's it? But this man, this man, hallelujah. Turn to Matthew chapter one. Not getting the Christmas spirit here. You guys hear, hear this verse, you might think it's December. Everybody... Uh, here's here's this a lot around the holiday, but it's it's not just a <laughs> Christmas verse. Okay, look at chapter one of Matthew, verse twenty-one, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now the name Jesus, Yeshua, comes from also Joshua. Jesus is is a is the, is the uh, fulfillment of, as Joshua was the savior of the people, Jesus is the Yeshua, the savior of mankind. His, his name means savior. Now look what it says in verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord or of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is another name Jesus has. Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus Savior. Now, 
somebody said, Brother Blaine, would you explain the virgin birth? I'd rather not try. But I'll just tell you this. I figure if God could make the Rocky Mountains, he could probably impregnate a woman without using the conventional means. I mean, what's the big deal? I believe when that angel appeared to her and she said this in, in, Luke, in, in, in Luke's gospel, it says, so be it unto me according to thy word. I believe the minute she said, so be it unto me according to thy word, the word became flesh. She became pregnant with God's son. Hallelujah. And his name is Emmanuel, which means God's hanging out with us. Hallelujah. Well, I want to start this thing making sure you understood that, oh, Brother Blaine believes in the virgin birth and I believe in the, in the miraculous and I believe in the... Uh, now, now uh, Mary wasn't perfect. She wasn't immaculate. That's religion. That's not Bible because she said, I rejoice in God my Savior. Well, if she had a Savior, she must have needed to get saved too. She just had the privilege of carrying her Savior in her womb. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now go over to Philippians chapter 2. You know, what I'm really preaching to you tonight is a sermon on faith. Well, Brother Blaine, you ain't said a thing about faith. Well, you're going to wait and see here in a minute. It's it's just going to energize your faith (laughs) because you're going to see uh, what this union means and what Jesus means to you as as a child of God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Now, this tells the story that I've been trying to say to you all night. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, that word robbery means, it's an old English word, means a thing to be grasped. I'm grasping that chair right now, okay? A thing to be taken, a thing to be held on to. He did not think it a thing to be held on to. Look what it says. To be called, to be equal with God. He was. The first verse we looked at tonight, 1 Timothy 3.16 said God was manifest in the flesh. He was God in the flesh. But he thought it not a thing to be grasped. He, in other words, he gave it up. Come on, amen. But made himself, look at verse 7, of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Don't get any clearer than this, does it? And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hallelujah. Somebody lift your hands and let's thank him right now. Jesus, you didn't have to do that, but you did that, Lord, for us. Praise God. He was equal with God, but he thought it not a thing that he would hold on to. In other words, he emptied himself of his privileges of divinity so he might be like us. Now, look what God did to him once he humbled himself. 
Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Only because he humbled himself, then at his resurrection when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand, he gave him a name which is above every name. Hallelujah. That's the order. That's how it works in God's kingdom. You exalt yourself, you get humbled. You humble yourself, you get exalted. Well, he humbled himself and God exalted him. Come on, amen. Isn't that good? Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. I could have pulled that scripture up there, you know, Vicky, on uh, my phone, but I already had another one waiting, and I didn't want to mess it up. So anyway, um, see if it's still there. It sure is, thank God. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Wherefore, in all things... It behooved him to made like to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, and to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now look at this next verse eighteen. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor. That's an old English word for help. Help those who are tempted. Now let me read verses seventeen and eighteen here. In the Message Bible. It says that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Come on. See, he's felt what you feel. He's gone through what you've gone through. He was tempted like you've been tempted in all points, but was without sin. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. I have an elder brother who's been raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God, who knows what I'm feeling today. He knows what I'm going through today. Hallelujah. Now, go over to St. John 8. Did you ever think about Jesus using faith? Did you ever think about that? Um, Most people, when they talk about having faith, it's, it's us. It's we, me, I, us, we. We need to have faith. We need to believe God. We need to believe. We need to believe. Have you? I have got enough scripture that I am about got myself convinced that Jesus operated even in faith. Look at John eight twenty nine. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Jesus said, I always do what makes the Father happy. Now, He's right on top of this. This is so cool. Look at Hebrews eleven six. But without faith, it is impossible to please. Oh, please him. I put those together one day. 
The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But St. John 8, 29 said Jesus always did the things which pleased the Father. So he must have been operating in faith to always please the Father. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Of course, there's a lot of good stuff there to preach, but we're talking about the first part of it. Without faith, you can't please God, but Jesus always pleased the Father. So evidently, Brother Blaine, you're kind of stretching it there. Well, let me give you another one. You know me. I'm a student. (laughs) I don't know everything. I'm learning like you are, but I love my Bible and I love to learn stuff. Look at chapter 2 of Galatians. 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Listen, Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live because I have strong faith and I'm a spiritual giant when it comes to faith. No, no. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I'm all for anything where people's trying to help society and, you know, back here 10, 15 years ago, all the kids and even the adults were all wearing a little bracelet. What would Jesus do, you know? And and that's all good. I I, I think it's great. Anything that puts attention on Christ, I'm for it. You know what I mean? I ain't, I ain't against anybody that's trying to help somebody. But, you know, we have become such a do church. I got to do a bunch. Well, how about start preaching a little bit more on let's let Jesus live his life through us a bunch. Instead of me always trying to do something to impress God, why don't I let the lion that lives on the inside of me go? Let him go. Let him. It's his faith. Now there's a whole sermons on us having faith and I believe that and I preach it hard. But, but folks, when, when I've reached about as far as I go in my faith, somebody get halfway happy. Quit acting suppressed material tonight or I'll preach all night. Come on now. That's when this hand comes down, Bob. He said, got you covered, Blaine. You've done stretched your faith out as far as you can. Now, where you can't stretch any higher, I'll just take up slack here for you because I have faith too. The faith of the Son. Did you notice? Now, the Greek guys and the concordances and the cross-references, you'll have a number sometimes in your Bible that'll put you over in the middle column. It'll say, in the Son of God. But I've read some commentaries and a lot of them agree with me. They must have heard about me. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Now, they had already written all that before I ever read it, so they, they it was ahead of the game on me. But no, of could, could be in. Live by the faith in the Son of God. That puts it right back on you. But of is his faith. I'm sticking with of. Come on. We'll get to heaven. The Lord will let you know I was right. Amen. <laughs> Come on, amen. amen. Praise God. Let me give you one more. Now, you know what, brother? I don't think I put this one in. Uh, let this say in uh, south of the border, lo siento. Sorry about that. But, let's, you know, there is a verse I really want them to see 
Hebrews 2. Go back over to Hebrews 2. Y'all enjoying this? Say amen. If anyone wants to know, it's eight minutes after eight. Hebrews 2. Now, Jesus talks sometimes, but it ain't always in red. (laughs) If you guys got a red letter edition Bible, you're going to be looking for red over in Hebrews 2 and ain't going to find it. And the one I'm preaching, I don't have that, but I have a bunch of them at home that have the red letters, and I like that, you know, the words of Christ in red, okay? That's all good. But watch this. Go to verse 11, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It'd be real, real nice if I got there myself. I was in Ephesians 2, sorry. Hebrews 2, 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For the which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. <clears throat> Did you hear what I just said? He that sanctifies is Jesus and we are the recipients of the sanctification or the setting apart. And for that reason, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. If your name comes up in heaven, he claims you. <laughs> Isn't that cool? He's not ashamed to call you his brother or sister. Once again, that's so earthy to me. I know he's God manifest in the flesh, but you know, it's so earthy to think that his daddy's mine. The scripture calls him the firstborn among many brethren. The reason he was the firstborn, did you know Jesus had half brothers and sisters? Yeah, Mary and Joe got together later and had more youngins. Jesus had half brothers and sisters. They're listed in the Gospels. You ought to read it. They had the same mom but different dad. That's why his sisters or brothers couldn't die for you. They they got their blood from Joe. Jesus got his blood from God. Spotless, sinless blood. That's why he's the only one that could die for you. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Once again, I don't totally understand it, but I just believe it. Come on. Saying, look at verse 12. Look at your neighbor and say saying. Who is saying? Well, Jesus is saying, according to verse 11, we're still talking about Jesus. I will declare thy name, he's he's talking to his father, unto my brethren, that's these people here at OBC tonight. In the midst of the church will I, Jesus, sing praise unto thee, the father. Now, let me tell you something about praise and worship. Y'all were getting into it a while ago with that lovely acoustic guitar, and he did a fine job. Did indeed do a great job. When we worship God, when Jesus worships the Father, that don't mean that he's going to leave heaven, come down here and grab a microphone and do a spatial. <laughs> that was funny what I just said right there. Where are you going, Jesus? I got to go down there. They're having a gospel singing tonight. I got to go sing, S-A-N-G, sing. 
grabs a bike, gets up, does a spatial in church while we listen at him. No. <laughs> Jesus ain't going to grab a microphone, come here and sing. It says in the midst of the church, once again, did you see those T-shirts they printed up? The church has left the building. This is not the church. <laughs> you are the church. So when you worship God, you are so close to your elder brother that he's worshiping with you. Glory to God. Through you, he worships the Father because he's in the midst of his church. Who is the church? Us. Yeah, we're pretty close. Verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. Oh, this is still Jesus talking. Trust in him. Oh, Jesus put his trust in his father. Did we say that we thought Jesus had faith? I think we found another verse there, didn't we? Now, trust is, is faith, first cousin to faith. Says, I will put my trust in, again, I and the children which God hath given me. Come on, that's good preaching, Brother Blaine. Amen. Now, go to Luke. I've been waiting to get over here all night, and I'm excited. Hallelujah. Did you remember me telling you that I called my son Luke because it's my favorite gospel? Because it portrays Jesus as the man. I want to show this to you. Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Don't make me holler. Don't make me shout. Turn them Bibles inside out. Amen. Now, this is the episode where they go to Jerusalem, you know, and they, they think they lost him because he stayed behind and they're on the way home and he ain't in the company and they're looking for him. And he said, I must be about my father's business. <laughs> 12 years old. Wouldn't he been cute? Wouldn't he been a cute little guy? Don't you know I must be about my father's business? I mean, he, he was plugged in back then. Then verse 51 says, and he went down with them, that is his parents, listen, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus submitted to his earthly parents. So human of him. Chapter 3, verse 21. Let's get this out because I got about 15 minutes to do it. Chapter 3, verse 21. And when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. Now, when Jesus came down there to John to get baptized, he didn't ride up on a big white horse with a big halo around his head. He, he, listen, he was in line. He was in line with Jethro and Junior and Hank and Bill. I mean, they're just waiting. They didn't say, oh, it's Jesus. They knew him as a carpenter. He ain't entered the ministry yet. <laughs> Comes down there, go, you know the story. John said, behold, <laughs> the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He said, ah, no, no, you, no, 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 I ain't baptized. You need to baptize me. He said, John, shut up. 
it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. <laughs> Dunk me, dude. Quit arguing. Jesus was water baptized. How human of him. Verse 22. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son and thee I am well pleased. Jesus subject to his parents. Jesus water baptized. Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost. I love verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joe. It just looked like he was. He grew up in his carpenter's house. He probably knew how to hammer a nail pretty well, you know what I mean? Joe and sons. And people just assumed that he was one of the dudes, you know. He was the carpenter. That's why they called him the carpenter. As was supposed, it looks like Joe's his daddy, but he's not. Talk about a brave guy. When, I'm, when, when I meet Joe someday, I'm going to tell him how cool I think that was. That he would take that girl and all the talk and all the gossip just to bring our Savior into the world. Somebody praise the Lord tonight. Come on. Subject to his parents, water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Looked like he was the son of Joe. Chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the world. He's led by the Holy Ghost. (laughs) He ain't leading himself. Why? He's a man that the Holy Ghost leads. How human of him. See? Now watch this. We're going to get to this really cool part here in a minute. Now, now I, I can't, I can't high stand. I, I got so much to say. Chapter three, verse twenty-three. Again, chapter three, verse twenty-three. He said, "As was supposed, the, supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of, 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 which was the son of." That whole chapter is, "Which was the son of, which was the son of, which was the son of." And you get up to verse thirty-eight, and it says, "Which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam." which was the son of God. And then it goes right in chapter four, verse one, talking about the second Adam. The first Adam flunked the test. Second Adam won, passed in flying colors. What do you mean Adam flunked the test? Oh, God gave him authority over the Garden of Eden. He told him, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. The, the snake comes crawling in there. He could have said, Eve, I'll handle this. Get out now. He gave me authority in this garden. You're not welcome here. No, we're not eating of that tree. But he didn't do that. He flunked. Well, Jesus just heard a word from heaven. Remember in chapter 3? This is my beloved son. In thee I am well pleased. What's the first thing the devil said to him? Chapter 4, verse 3. And the devil said, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Oh, real original there, devil. Where'd you hear that? Just heard it from heaven a few minutes ago. 
See, when God gives you a word, the devil comes trying to steal it from you. And Jesus used his Bible. Everybody say, Jesus had a Bible. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus had a Bible. I didn't know Jesus had a Bible. How did he have a Bible? It's called the Old Testament. And now he's quoting scripture to the devil. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone. Two two more times, Satan comes and Jesus says, it is written. What have we learned? We're almost done, folks. Listen, he was subject to his parents. He was water baptized. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. It looked like he was the son of Joseph. He was led by the Holy Ghost. He used the word to whip the devil. I can do that. Ephesians 6 says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> See, if he, he could have said, as a matter of fact, I am Mr. Devil. What's it to you? Come up here and I'll put a knot on your head right now. I'm the second person of the Godhead. You know, I was in Eden. I'll bust you right now, buddy. But no, if he would have done that, you would have been hopeless, Bob. You would have been hopeless, Bill. We would have been hopeless because we are not God. But he said, I'm going to show the human race that a human being using Scripture can run off the devil. Come on! And you and me can do the same thing. See, he was being an example to us. He could have used his divinity. No match. But no, he said, it is written. Well, I can do that. Chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He had a home church. The Greek word for custom is habit. And as his habit was, he went into church on Sabbath day, subject to his parents, water baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit, used the Word of God, used his Bible, and now he's got a home church. Sounds to me like we got a whole lot in common here. Amen. And then they asked the goofy question. Them guys, go to verse 22 there, chapter 4. And you know what? I left something out there. Sorry. Sorry there, Richard. Verse 18, chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Now, this might blow, you, might blow your mind, but I'm right. I am right. Jesus did not heal through his divinity. Or he would have been healing as an 11-year-old. He would have been out there turning gravel into chocolate chip cookies for his friends. But we have no record that he walked on water, that he raised the dead, or he healed any sick person till after he got the Holy Ghost in the River Jordan, which proves he didn't do it through his divinity. He did it through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Throw that up real fast. Acts 10.38, remember Richard? Acts 10.38, how God, how God, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. (laughs) I think it's so cool. It didn't say 
how God anointed God. God didn't need to anoint God because God don't need anointed. But there's this, there's this guy that lived over at Nazareth named Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. That's why he put the name of the town there. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This guy lived over at Nazareth named Jesus that God anointed. Jesus didn't anoint himself. He got the Holy Ghost in, 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 in the River Jordan. Now he's flowing in the Holy Ghost, anointing. Folks, the same Holy Ghost that came in the River Jordan is the same Holy Ghost that came on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> Glory to God. The same Holy Ghost he had, we have. I, said, I can't anoint myself, but the Holy Ghost can anoint me. Well, Jesus emptied himself of that divinity privilege, and he said, I'm going to be a man anointed of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to show the human race that you can be anointed of the Holy Ghost too. Now, have we ever matched up to him? Not in my lifetime, I haven't. But I've seen some pretty cool stuff. The scripture said he had the spirit without measure. Or maybe the whole body of Christ has the spirit without measure. Come on, amen. When we get all of our giftings together, anointed of the spirit. Some of you are going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Your head's going to be spinning. Can you believe what that guy told us tonight? <laughs> I just wanted to share it with you. Verse 22. They were all amazed. They all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Well, let me answer you, dude. No, it's not, as a matter of fact. It just looks like he's Joseph's son. Wrap this up here. Look at verse, chapter 5, verse 16. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Well, why would he have to pray? <laughs> He's God manifesting flesh. He got to pray to himself. Well, no, it was the man praying to the Father. And I think it's interesting. Now, where I went to school, elementary school called South Lebanon Elementary, we learned that 17 came after 16. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, there were Pharisees, doctors of the law, sitting by which would come out of every town of Galilee and Judea. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Isn't it interesting? 16 said, he withdrew himself and prayed. Verse 17 said, and the power. Well, if Jesus had to pray, who in the world do we think we are that we don't have to pray? The power came after prayer. I got a picture I put up, up up on Facebook the other day of these kittens walking into the prayer room. And it said, this is what you look like when you walk into the prayer room, a kitten. And then it turns it around and says, this is what you look like when you walk out of the prayer room. <laughs> Lions are walking out of the prayer room. Perfect picture. Jesus identified with us. Don't ever look at him again as someone way out yonder somewhere that you can't touch and that not really concerned. And No, I've given you a lot of scripture not having a folks. 
I showed you the human side of Christ, the Son of Man. Now, when he went back to heaven, he was crowned with glory and honor and given a name above every name. (laughs) When he was down here, it said he had nowhere to lay his head. Got somewhere to lay it tonight, Bob. Come on, amen. He passed the test. But the reason he did it, you know, I'll close with this little comment here at, uh, at uh, 828. People, I won't say which group it is, which denomination, because there might be somebody here that's Baptist. But, um, but I'm sorry. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. I love Baptists. I've I got some guys that let me preach that are Baptists. They got Baptist church. I preach in Baptist, Nazarene. I, I preach in Methodist churches. Presbyterian even. One time an Episcopal church invited us up to the East Coast, up close to Boston. They were having a cowboy communion service. They had heard us up there on the radio and they contacted us to see if we could come do some rousing numbers. That's exactly the way he said it in his letter. Could you come to our cowboy communion and do some rousing numbers? Who all knows that was right down my alley. I can do rousing numbers. And uh, anyway, but uh, uh, people will say, well, Jesus healed to prove he was the son of God. Well, I'll give you this much. It did prove that. But, you know, here's an interesting concept. I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this. Have you ever thought that maybe he healed somebody because he loves them? Because <laughs> he cares. Is it all about him? Okay, you healed this sickness because you really wanted people to think you were cool. Well, maybe he did something for you just because he loves you. Not always trying to prove he was the son of God. Amen. I've enjoyed myself, folks. It's 8.30 right on the dot, Bob. Hallelujah. Let me pray tonight before we go. Father, thank you for the good word Jesus the man. Thank you for the good word tonight, Lord. Father, we need to chew on this. Now let us chew on it. Let us meditate on it all week. Father, when the temptation of life and the things of life come against us, help us understand that we have a brother that showed us how it's done. Came right down on our level to identify with us. Thank you, Lord. 